Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. So today, how to plan for 2014. There's a right and a wrong way to plan for 2014. And we want to see, what does the text say? Anybody? What does the text say? All right, just me. Just me and like 500 million people, but apparently none of you have YouTube here on the Long Islands, but it's on the internet, so you'll see it. Ask your kids. So anyway, in uh, planning for 2014, I want you to turn to James chapter 4, and I, uh, I, put some, uh, uh, the, I put the scriptures up on the screen too. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn there. I hope you'll get in the habit of bringing your Bibles to church. Bring your Bible each and every Sunday. If you have it on the phone... Uh, open it up to your Bible app. If you brought a scroll with your family, just unroll it there. Whatever, however you roll, just uh, open up to James chapter 4 and we'll dive right in. You know, when you talk about New Year's resolutions, when you talk about planning for the new year, have you considered what a blessing that is? Really, what a blessing it is to be able to look forward to a new year and just say, hey, I want to make some resolutions. Here's some things I want to happen. This is what I want to see happen in 2014. Do you realize that 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 is not something that all of the world can really do? In fact, when we look at James chapter 4, before we read this very first verse, I want you to see that every now and then, every now and then preachers get the easy job. Look, week after week, Preachers basically have to take a document, right? This was written, I believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe these are the words of God. But we take this book, right? And it was written so long ago. Some of it, right? I mean, 3,000 years ago. And some of it, uh, in this case, 2,000 years ago here with uh, James, what we're going to read. We have to take this book and we have to say, okay, what was written was totally applicable to the people, to the original audience. Now, here we are in 2014, and a preacher's job is to make this just as applicable to us, right? But every now and then, every now and then, you get an easy one. Every now and then, and today is so easy. It literally just falls in your lap. Today, what the word for today, this verse I'm about to read to you, James chapter 4, verse 13, this verse, it is easier and applies to more people in 2014 than it ever would have in James' first century. There are, this is, he was saying this like, okay, for the small, tiny, niche sliver of people, here, I'm going to throw this verse in. But for us, it's the world we live in. Let me show you what I mean. James chapter 4, verse 13. Here we go. Now listen, you who say, yeah, just, I can't get this. Well, you know, I have this paper copy here. Now listen. (laughs) You say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money, right? To, to, to those of you who say, all right, so here's how, here's how we're going to do this. Today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. At first, he looks like what the Bible is talking about here is business travelers, Right? That's what that is. You got to understand, in James's audience, that was a very, very, very small portion of the people. Can you imagine being one of these merchant, you know, seafaring merchants? You're out on the, the seas or whatever, that you have the opportunity that you're actually going to plan your business for the coming year. Do you know how rare that would have been? It, most of James's church was living a subsistence lifestyle. 
Their resolutions were not, let me go make plans for, you know, how I'm going to conduct my business, how I'm hoping to make a profit. Hmm, Maybe I'll go here. Yo, I hear Corinth is nice. I hear it's wild, but I hear it's, you know, I hear it's a good town. Maybe I could make some money in Corinth. Somebody else says, nah, man, Rome is where it at. If you can make it in Rome, you can make it anywhere. Some people are like, I think Kentucky. They're like, what? (laughs) Right? But they're all debating this stuff. If you've got the freedom to do that, if you've got the freedom to plan that stuff, you are a small slip of James's church because most of the church and the most of the people who heard this were like must be nice right this isn't for me and they're all looking at like the one business traveler who's sitting there in the congregation everybody else is doing what well here's your day you don't have to plan tomorrow is going to be just like today which was just like yesterday Right. In fact, in the early church, they would have been in there. It would have been Sunday night. They would have been there after a long day of working in the fields. Every day was the same. Look, you are an agrarian laborer and here's your day. Here's your plan. All right. Tomorrow. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go in the fields. I'm going to work in the crops till the boss says I can quit. At which point the boss is going to give me this coin called a denarius. I'm going to take said denarius to the grocer, and I'm not going to load up my SUV with like two weeks of groceries, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Instead, I'm going to take that denarius to the grocer, I'm going to give him that denarius, and he is going to give me a box of food. And that box of food is going to have dinner for my family that night, and a little bit of leftover for breakfast the next morning to fuel me to wake up, to go back into the fields, to work, till the boss says I can quit, at which point the boss gives me a coin called a denarius, which I will take to the grocer. And I will give to that grocer and he will give me a box of food, just enough for my family that day so I can feed my family and have enough little fuel in the tank the next morning in my tummy for breakfast so I can get up, go to the fields, work until the boss. You, you see what I'm saying? Now, many of you are like, dude, you just described my life, right? I know, I know. It feels that way, but come on. You can, come on, you can buy two weeks of groceries. Up. You are so rich that some of you, your boss doesn't have to pay you every single day in cash. He can like wait and store up. She can wait. Your boss can wake up, can wait up, and she can pay you at the end of like two weeks for some of you, right? You see what a blessing that is that you do have. We're, we're, we're wealthier than we think. Now, I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty or, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, I'm sorry, I don't work in the fields. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that this is a luxury to be able to say, I can plan more than just, I don't, those people don't have to plan. You understand? Their day is already mapped out for them. Their subsistence lifestyle is already mapped out for them. And so James is saying, look, I know this doesn't affect everybody. That's why he says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He's saying, I know this isn't going to apply to everybody. This is just going to apply to you, to that small segment of you that is not living a day-to-day agrarian subsistence lifestyle. But for just you, I want you to know something. God cares about you too. God loves you too, and he's got a word for you. The thing is, this is what I was saying at the beginning, in 2014, it's just the opposite. This is all of us. So the, now listen, you who say for James might have been a small subset. For us, the small subset is anybody this doesn't apply to. You with me? You on board? I mean, can you see how you are the antecedent? You and you and I are the antecedent of that pronoun you. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. This is just this is us in 2014. We're mapping out our calendar. We're making our plans. Some of us are planning career moves or 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 things that are going to happen in our relationship or our education. Uh, uh, This is this is what we're doing. 
It's a luxury to be able to do that. Now look, we're going to see in a minute that absolutely none of those things are in and of themselves wrong. Not a one. This is not a list of evil things. You should never say today or tomorrow. We should never go to a city. You know, um, there should be no traveling. Uh, No, no, no. Spend a year there. Not wrong. Carry on business and make money. None of that wrong. What what, what, what he is about to uh, go after in these people's hearts is simply this. That whole verse, where do you see God mentioned? It's not there. It's not there. It's not these plans. It's these plans that completely forget God. That leave God completely out of the equation. And that's the focus of today. So how much have you factored God into your plans? How much have you who say, in 2014 I might do this or I hope this happens. What is God going to do in 2014? James is, I mean, look at the implications of this. And you start to see, you say, that doesn't sound so presumptuous. Really? Without God, look at what this is saying. Without God, no reference to God. I'm a master of many things in this verse. The first, look where it says today or tomorrow. That means I control time. The implication here is that I am the rightful owner of my today and my tomorrow. I am the master and commander of the next 365 days. Time. We will go to this or that city. Location. Space. I will determine where I end up. Starting to sound more presumptuous. Spend a year there. Oh, really? So you control the duration of how long your career is going to last or how long you can count on things. You're that good. You're that powerful. And we will carry on business. And on top of it, we will make money. Okay. So you can do all that thing. You are the master of time, location, duration, labor, and profit. The sin here is that it's just a little presumptuous. You see? I've been, um, uh, I, I, I get this uh, uh, third kid now. And so I've uh, been, um, been up uh, watching a lot of TV at uh, night. And uh, one of the things that happens a lot, is, uh, maybe it's just the programming I watch, but there's uh, all these advertisements for, uh, uh, and maybe they just happen year-end. I guess people are concerned about tax time, whatever. But there's all these advertisements for um, uh, investment firms. You know, and uh, nothing wrong with investment firms. I think it's great. But, they, you know, they all, they all, they're so, um, there's something about them that I'm always like, something's wrong. And I think after preparing this message, I think I got my finger on what it is. It's, it's, it's the presumption behind it. Like, like, the one I love is that there's this, uh, uh, you know, this uh, young, you know, couple or whatever, and they're so confused. They always start the same way. There's some confusion about what to do next. When suddenly, with the right financial planner, there's this green path that appears before them. And they just, like, follow that path, right? And as they follow the path, they get older, and they sit down with, like, this investment counselor at the desk. And they all end the same way. They end with this impossibly good-looking elderly couple having, like, a fall foliage leaf fight in a vineyard that they bought. You know, that's obviously the goal of all retirement. Buy a vineyard. And then the commercial ends. And I'm like, "Mm, uh, you ended it prematurely. Because never, not one advertisement have I ever seen. This is all I want. Just one time. Just give me some truth in advertising. You know why I love the scriptures so much? Jesus was always telling the truth because he wasn't selling anything. And that's why it's so hard for people to tell the truth because they always got something to sell you. But if they were really didn't have anything to sell and they were totally honest, we would see them sit down with the Charles Schwab advisor and she's so like, you know, got the cardigan and I'm going to make you rich and you can trust me and also. And just sign up, like pull out her desk drawer, pull out a human skull and be like, that's where this story ends. You're going to be a bag of bones. I just want you to know, 
The green line ends with you in a coffin buried with your wife in a vineyard. That's all. That's all that would have to happen. That's all I ask. Then what she would do is she would say, see this skull? We're going to leave this skull staring at us. Like in all the ancient masters, you always see a painting. It's like a scholar. and He's always got a skull. Why? Because they said in every painting, we are to be mindful of death. And we're going to put that skull and it's going to stare at us. And here's what we're going to do. Every financial decision we're going to make, we're going to keep in the back of our mind, or actually in this case, in the front, we're going to keep this skull staring. Because here's the deal. If you don't get that final destination point right, what really does the rest of this matter? That's all I want. It's not going to happen because when you uh, sign up for a financial planner, you don't want someone who is scary and reminding you of death. As a rule. Uh, (laughs) But that's it. If you don't get that ending part right you're planning look planning for retirement at that point without god is just sort of rearranging deck chairs on the titanic right i mean if you really wanted truth in advertising what you should start every commercial is this is a great product but without god this product is only going to make the world a little more comfortable departing point from which to go and spend eternity in hell That's it. Without God, all this is going to do is make the world a more comfortable place from which to depart and go to hell. But people would, you know, we wouldn't sign up for cell phone plans and stuff. if we. All right, so you think, okay, James, we got you. Listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we go to this city. I get it. We're not supposed to be presumptuous, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Like like, like there's some path that's going to lead us to that security and that comfort that doesn't involve God. Okay, I get it. You know, you got our attention. So, So what is the reasoning? Why is it? Tell me why is it that it's such a bad plan to, to, to factor in all these plans without God? Why does that not make sense? Why should we not just go ahead and plan out 2014? You know, say today, tomorrow I'm going to do this. March, I hope to be here. I'm going to get this degree here. I'm going to be out with this person. Whatever. Why should we not do that? And James gives two reasons in, in verse 14. Two reasons. The first is uh, uh, verse 14 says this. The first one. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. That's the first reason. Because first, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Uh, I I don't know if you've ever thought about that fact, but uh, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Ponder that. I mean, I know it's in the scriptures here, and it's one of those verses that's so obvious, you just pass right by it, and I do the same thing. But then, you know, because I had to create a sermon where you, you know, you have to think of something to say. I uh, uh, kept writing, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And that's when it dawned on me. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. John, you still got your iPad that you use for uh, worship and all that stuff? It's got to be laying around there somewhere. Let me, let me, let me see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Do you mind? Yeah. Just bring it up here. No, Kindle won't work, James. I need Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah, I know. John, you don't know about this. You don't mind if I use this, right? Yeah. There's a, a particular uh, website. This is, this is gonna, it's pretty creepy. Uh, but um, if I just go here, let me make sure I do it right. Oh, good. It's already hooked up to the Wi-Fi there. Good deal. And uh, yeah, here it is. Um, this is crazy. There's a website you can go to, and only uh, uh, preachers know about it. And uh, <clears throat> says here, look at that. Huh. I'm looking at right now uh, Google News for January 5th, 2000. Uh, anybody interested? Ooh. Oh, I'm trying. 
Oh, that donut thing, man, it's still rocking. Check it out. Yeah, anybody interested? I can tell you how your jets did. I won't do that. The Kardashians are in the news for something scandalous. Shocker. Uh, anybody anybody uh, could personalize this? I mean, can anybody right now fill out the headlines for January, cha- January 5th, 2015? Can anybody do it? Can you do it for the world? Can you do it for the world events? All right, all right. Can you do it for your life? How's the stock market doing? It's January 5th, 2015. How's the stock market doing? How about you? How's your stock market doing? Hey, how's your family doing? Everybody healthy? Everybody good? Everybody, everybody, everybody well-educated? Any more kids? Oh, I, I, I. Uh, did, did you get married? Did you retire? Did you get a vineyard? Like, what happened between now and January 5th, 2015? I want everybody in here to picture a Google News page, and all the headlines are blank. Now, you fill them in. Can you do it? In fact, if you can't picture that, what's that thing? Oh, what's that thing they used to have, like the... Um, Oh, like somebody would bring it to you every day and you would read it with coffee. It was on paper. There was like ink all over it. What do you, what do you, newspaper. That's right. There's this thing called a newspaper. You, you, I could order it once, but they gave me like a landline number. I was like, well, <clears throat> if you can't do that for next year, I'll grant you that. No problemo. Okay. So here's all you have to do, everybody. Just picture tomorrow's, what's the local paper here? The news day. There you go. Picture tomorrow's news day, everybody. And here's all you have to do. Just fill in. You ready? Just fill because next year, that's too hard. Nobody could do that. Just fill in tomorrow's headlines. Just fill in tomorrow's headlines. Go ahead. You say, Tom, that's impossible to do. Okay. Well, do, do you know your own life? You know yourself? Yeah. So write for me a script for Monday, January 6th. Forget the newspaper a year from now. Forget the news tomorrow. I want everybody in here. Just write me an hour by hour, minute by minute script of what happens in your life tomorrow. Now, some of you are like, I live such a boring life. I promise I could do that. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, I promise you can't. And you know you can't. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. That's why it is so presumptuous to try to say, without God, I've got to figure it out. Here's how I'm going to live my 2014. No, you do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Please don't give me the, well, I'm going to be here for a year. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's reason number one. And reason number two, not to put too fine a point on it, he says the second thing is, what is your life? You, in verse 14, the second part, he says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's not just that you don't know what will happen tomorrow. Furthermore, you don't know if you will happen tomorrow. There's two good reasons why it is presumptuous to begin planning your 2014 without God. It's a... uh, The metaphor there, the, the mist. You know, James preached the sermon with a great title a couple years ago called Life as a Vapor. And James preached it from James. I'm talking about Pastor James from, like, James 1.0. Yeah. Uh, he preached that sermon, Life as a Vapor. And there it is. You are a mist. You are a vapor. The word can mean mist or vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. All through the Bible, the metaphors they use for human life, mist, vapor, smoke, one of the popular ones are grass and flower of the fields. 
Why? Because they're uh, transient, right? Here today, gone tomorrow. And that's the thing. I love the flowers of field. I think that's my favorite. Uh, the grass withers and the flower fades. All men are like grass. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I love that. And I'll tell you why. Because it reminds us of a couple things. Flowers, right? They're gone. They're not here. But it doesn't mean that while they're here, they're not glorious, right? Flowers are splendid. They're glorious. They're just gone so fast so too we splendid glorious but unless we're connected to the eternal gone like that uh it, it albert schweitzer has this quote and really if uh if i could take the whole sermon and boil it down to like one quote it would be albert schweitzer's quote he once said if people would only take three minutes at a funeral to really think the world would be a different place. If people would only take three minutes at a funeral to really think, the world would be a different place. So, uh, verse 14, uh, you, it basically says, uh, you don't know the future and there might not be one. Happy New Year. Right? Like, I, I'm convinced that that cha- chapter 4 of James, verse 14, may be the saddest verse in all of Scripture. Okay, James, great. So we don't know the future, or if there'll be one, what is the solution? I mean, what is the answer? Is James going to, is he going to leave us hanging here? Of course not. Good news. James does not just leave us hanging. He tells us how to live in light of all this. Okay, how do you take all this into account? And so he says in verse 15, perfect. Instead, you ought to, and how does he answer this? Okay, okay, you, you don't know the future. You don't know if there's going to be a future. So don't be all presumptuous. Don't be all bragging about how you're going to do this and you're going to do that without God. No, 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 no. Instead, because of all that, instead, you ought to never plan For anything again. Is that what he says? Never plan again. Just city on a hill. Hippies. Like go. It doesn't matter. Do not plan anything. Right? I mean, is that what we're supposed to do? Go down. In fact, if you ever shop at Costco or Sam's Club, you know what I'm talking about? These big bulk items. BJ's where you, you know, it's like one granola bar. But oh, you save money because you buy 50 granola bars. Which you throw out 30 because you're like, I never want to see another granola bar. But oh, you save money when you bought it for 100 bucks. Anyway, All right, I'll move on. Fine. All right. Instead, you ought to say, right, not never plan for anything. Just say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Costco is not a den of iniquity. Oh, look at you. No faith in Jesus coming back. You got granola bars till 2018. Like, what are you doing? Oh, that's not that at all. It doesn't mean don't plan. Ever hear me say that? Plan. 401. Okay. Plan for the future. That's great. But plan with God at the forefront of your mind, not plan presumptuously without him. It does, he does not say, therefore, we should never plan. He does not say a lot of things that in that scripture that you, you might think are what are the sin. He says that's not the sin at all. For example, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city and spend a year there. He doesn't say that traveling to a different city is the sin. He doesn't say that spending a year somewhere is a sin. He doesn't say, oh, you should never commit to anything. No, not for a year. No, no, no. And he doesn't say carrying on business is a sin. And you ready for this? He does not say that making money is a sin. None of it. Now, one of those things that he says, 
He doesn't say, well, the sin is just planning and preparing. That's, no, that's not it at all. (laughs) I was driving around with this pastor. I was preaching a revival down in Alabama. I love this guy. He's hilarious. And uh, we pulled up to the gas station. He was out of gas. I was like, bro, we're not going to make it. He pulls up to the gas station, and he's got the empty tank, you know, and I know he's a busy dude and everything. He He puts like $5 worth of gas in his tank, drives off. And I'm like, bro, I can loan you money. Like, you know, I mean, I feel bad you're down here, whatever. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, what, you pulled a full tank of gas? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you don't really believe Jesus could come back any minute. <laughs> like, what? He's like, How, what's it going to look like? Jesus comes back and I got a full tank of gas in my car. Hmm? Oh, so you didn't take me serious. <laughs> I said, you're kidding, right? He's like, yeah, I just had five bucks. On. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but listen, I love this guy because, like, not for nothing, that kind of should be our mindset. C.S. Lewis said it the best. Everybody should be found at their post, believing Jesus could come back any minute and living like he could not come back for a hundred years, right? Like do the right thing that's going to last forever. If you're found obedient, think about it. When Jesus comes back, there's, Jesus is going to come back. There's going to be somebody that just graduated from seminary. Awesome. I'm, for real? For real? For real? All that Greek? For nothing. Right? Right? How about this one? Some of you single people? How about this one? I do. I do. You may kiss the pride. Return of Jesus, trumpet sound. Five minutes, right? No, no, right? Come on. Waited my whole life to get married to this person, right? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, the question is, do you keep it at the forefront of your mind? That's all. Is it at the forefront of your mind? Could it happen? It doesn't mean you should never plan. It doesn't mean you should never make a profit. And I think to that young seminarian who just graduated from seminary, you know what Jesus is going to say? He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Why? Because when I came back, you were at your post. What do you think? That your life is like to be all successful for me? Your life is to trust me and to be obedient each day, one day at a time. So you were called to seminary, you were called to be a minister, you went to seminary, prepared yourself, and I came back. What's that to you? You were found at your post. Good job. See? Uh, To the married couple, right? He'll be like, don't you worry. You haven't seen bliss till this, right? He's got you. Uh... My whole point in saying all that was he doesn't say don't plan. He doesn't say don't make money. He just says factor it into the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It's not wrong to plan for tomorrow. Look, and and, and and look, look, when he says, just in case, I don't want to be misheard on this. Just in case, when he says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Please understand, that is not like a superstitious mantra, knock on wood, to be said at every minute. It's a mindset, not a mantra. Mindset, not a mantra. Now, I say if the Lord wills a lot, and I'll tell you why I say it, is because it's a way of help. I can't always carry around a skull. My wife is... So if I can't always carry around a skull, sometimes I'll say things like, well, if the Lord wills, I'll see you next week. I'm just saying that to help myself. I'm not saying that as a superstitious... It doesn't... You know what I'm saying? Because, in fact, if you use it as a superstitious mantra, like, well, I really want this to happen, so if the Lord wills, then you're just trying to, like, be presumptuous and control God, which is exactly, ironically, what James was getting so upset about. So you don't have to say it every... You know what I mean? Don't be ridiculous. Like, like when I get... When I leave here, if I go through the drive-thru at McDonald's, I'll be like talking to the lady and everything and, you know, taking my order. And I'll be like, okay, thank you, sir. I'll see you at the first window. I'm not going to be like, if the Lord wills, I'm just going to pull up, right? 
But technically, my mindset is, yeah, I mean, that's like a good five, ten seconds between here and the next window. Could happen, right? Mindset, not a mantra. That's all I'm saying, okay? Uh, it's worth pointing out that he says, if, if it is the Lord's will, we will live. <clears throat> if it is the Lord's will, not all these cool things will happen and we'll do this and that. Not at first. If it is the Lord's will, first of all, tomorrow morning... You get to breathe, okay? And if it's not the Lord's will, you don't. So, so like, everything from the beginning starts, if it is the Lord's will, we will live. And then we will live and uh, uh, do this and that. Will Willimon is a fantastic preacher, and uh, he served early in a ministry in rural Georgia. He tells this great story. I won't tell it as well as he did, but basically, <clears throat> he and his wife went to a funeral and uh, uh, it was not of his denomination. He's one of those high church, you know, they wear the stuff and everything. And he grew up in this, you know, sort of mainline church, uh, big downtown church, very sophisticated. He goes out into the country and uh, the funeral was this preacher and the preacher pounded on his pulpit. You know, sound, he doesn't say it, but I'm sure it's a good old Southern Baptist preacher. And, uh, you know, he's pointing at the casket and he's saying it's too late for Joe. He might have wanted to get his life together. He might have wanted to spend more time with his family, but he's dead now. And it's too late for him, but it's not too late for you. You know, you can decide. You're still alive. It's not too late for you. If you're not saved, don't wait, because one day you'll be like Joe. Be saved today. And then, you know, it goes all elaborate. We could be driving to the graveyard right now to bury Joe and be hit by a greyhound. And, you know, all this just goes in, right, all this. And uh, he was so angry when he left. Willemar was so angry. And on the way home, I'll just read you his words. On the way home, I told my wife, have you ever seen anything so manipulative, so insensitive to that poor family I found it disgusting. And his wife said, I've never heard anything like that. It was manipulative. It was disgusting. And it was insensitive. And worst of all, every word of it was true. I mean, it's not the thing to say. And I, this is not like how preachers do funerals. I get that. But just because it's horribly insensitive doesn't mean the guy was wrong in what he was saying. One day it will be too late. Uh, when he says we will live and do such and such, at the end of verse uh, 15, uh, he, he just means that all my planning is meaningless unless I have a mo- in mind to keep a healthy allowance for what God will do. And I got to think, and let's bring it all the way full circle. In that way, we're more like that poor day laborer in James's church way back in uh, the, you know, the first couple centuries, way more like that than it first seemed. Because the day laborer gets it, right? The day laborer knows I am dependent on the landowner. If the landowner that I go and work for every day is steadfast, trustworthy, if he's fair, if he's honest, I'm going to be okay. But if he is cruel or if he forgets, like if he doesn't pay me my wage on time, every time, that day, that's why actually it's in the Bible. He's like, hey, some of you are withholding wages. It's right here in this book. Some of you rich people, landowners, you're withholding wages from your people that need it. It's not like today, like, oh, I'll get you tomorrow, whatever. No, 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 no. Like they don't eat that night. And then they're starving the next day. And so they can't work hard at field. And they're starving the next day. And, oh, I'll get to you, whatever. And you fire them. It's not their fault. It's yours. You didn't pay them every day. He's like, if that's your kind of landowner who just occasionally just sort of doesn't hook you up, you literally don't get your daily bread. Dependent totally on the character of the one who controls their destiny. Now, you tell me how different that is from you and me. We are just as dependent on God. 
And it's just, it's harder for us because it's like we sit at a desk and we do spreadsheets and spreadsheets cause this person to insure this other person who make money off this. Somewhere money gets made. I don't know how. And eventually a paycheck. I don't even see it. Like nobody gives me a gold coin. Now I can go buy dinner. You know, it's like direct deposit. You never even see it. And then you buy dinner with a credit card. There's no one, you know, what, right, whatever. It's very hard for us to connect the dots that God Almighty put the bread on your table. But he did. It's just harder to connect the dots in our day and age. But it's no different. We're completely dependent on this simple question. What is God like? Is he faithful? Is he good? Or is he cruel? Is he treacherous? Does he pay you on time, every time? In other words, does he provide your daily bread? Is he good or not? And we know that he is. He showed us at Calvary that even in our sin and our, in our sin and our hatred, he is faithful in love. His resurrection means he's all sufficient to save, to justify sinners. His ascension to God the Father means he's working even now. He intercedes for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us each day. And if you go on ignoring his love, boasting and bragging, the Bible says, it's evil. And verse 17, the last one, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. Why? Because it's not, it, it's, it's, not, it's not just a decision you make. It is the decision you make. Will you live as if God is in charge of your life in 2014? Or will you live as if you are in charge? That's why he calls it evil. He says that kind of boasting, that's pride, man. That's evil. Boasting, boasting is always annoying, but sometimes it's a little more harmless. Like when you got that friend that's always boasting about what a great bowler they are, eh, what else? But when you got that person who's boasting by living their life as if they don't need God, that is Garden of Eden stuff. That's pride. A heart that says, I don't need you in 2014. Instead, Christians uh, humble before the Lord and say, no, if the Lord wills, I get to breathe. If the Lord wills, I get to live. And that, if that's true, that mindset, I'm the Lord's servant, okay? What happens if, if I determine that God is in charge and if at the forefront of my mind is this notion, if the Lord wills, then verse 14 is no longer the saddest verse in the Bible. I think it's the one charged with the most hope. Uh, just, just, do you mind the very last one, the very last slide, 14a. Let's end right there. Not the saddest, but the one charged with the most hope. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Look at it from the eyes of a Christian. I mean, you know how much the currency of the church is hope, and we are rich. I mean, that's the world's crazy. I get it. The Christian church, we got gobs and gobs of hope. We are straight balling with hope. We've got so much hope, and we can give it out. You know why? You know why? Because, uh, you know that cliche bumper sticker? It's such a cliche, but it's true. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. That's it. That's it. And if God is who God says he is, Christians can proclaim to each other, to the world. Listen, if God... If, every, if it's all true, right, Christmas and uh, Easter, the death on the cross, the resurrection, if this table, if it's all true, if this is real and we believe by faith that it is and we are part of this kingdom, if that's it, then when I look at you and say, dude, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, it's a whole different meaning, isn't it? It means when you look at Google News 2015, you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God. And God's not dead and he won't be dead then. And even, even if you say, but you won't make it to 2015, then Romans, look, man, whether we live, we live under the Lord. And if we die, we die under the Lord. Therefore, if we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. 
We don't know if there'll be tomorrow. And if there is no tomorrow, fine. Then I'll wake up on the shores of uncreated light. I can live with that. Okay? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And for some of you struggling, I get it. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't even know what might happen tomorrow. Why? Because you know what the future is? No, because we know who God is. That's it. Let's pray. Father, in the midst of so much uncertainty, in the midst of us as humans trying to follow our little green line around and uh, make all these good plans, uh, Father, we know that it's you who direct our steps. And Father, we confess humbly as a people before you. We don't want to be guilty of these business travelers in the early church that were factoring all our plans, but they weren't factoring in you. And so God, right now, we set aside 2014, it's your year. And uh, if you will, then we're going to do such and such. And if you don't, then we're not. But Father, we ask that whatever you have in store for us, you bring it because what you have is good. And you can be trusted. And we don't have to be God. We don't have to have access to some secret website that tells us the future because we have you. And that's enough. And so God, I pray for great humility in our lives as we enter this new year and great trust. And I pray that every morning we'll be charged with hope. It'll be filled, electrified with promise that you are on your throne and we just don't know what tomorrow might bring, but we know who brings it. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. It's good to get a good reminder of this truth. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you knew everything I told you today. So it's not new information. It's just a reminder. Uh, Others of you are visual learners. I'm the same way. And so God has given us that as well. In the table, he shows us a visual reminder. Your future really doesn't come down to how well you plan. It comes down to who God is. Is his character? Can he be trusted? Okay. Can you cling to him? Is he going to throw you a curveball or play a trick on you this year? Is that the kind of uh, character we have? This question may be, uh, what do you, it may be rhetorical now, but if in June you go through great tragedy, won't this sermon matter? Like even if there's pain, it's, that's when the rubber hits the road. Will you trust him? Will you believe that he knows what he's doing in your life? You say, Tom, how can I know? Well, that's what this supper is all about. We look to Calvary's cross. The Bible says on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood given for you. He says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You think, why do we do this every single Sunday? Because every single week, we need a fresh reminder that if you want to know what God thinks of you, you have to draw your mind back to Calvary's cross. And remember, that is his posture towards you. Relentless love. That's who holds your 2014. I want to be a part of that. I want to allow him all kinds of room in my 2014. You want that too. So let's come humbly to the table and The ushers have prepared everything. And in just a few moments, if the Lord wills, you will come to the table. We'll make our way humbly. So just trust the ushers to get us uh, in the proper place in the proper way. staring at me, I guess. You know, sometimes when I'm sitting here, I just can't understand why this church isn't a thousand people cramming in this building.
some of the preachers that we have in this building. You agree with me? That was so good, Tom. And as you said, it's really a stance in life more than it is a mantra. It's not a mantra. It's a stance, isn't it? And uh, wow, how true it is. How true it is. Sitting and thinking this morning how gratefulness is such an important key in life, isn't it? The Bible says that every good gift comes down from the Father above. One day it just struck me that every good thing in my life came from God. It came from God in some way. Well, what are you saying? Well, my little grandchild gives me a little card that says, Brandy, I love you. It isn't just that child. It's that God made that child. God made the parents that, that made that child. I mean, somehow, just keep going, going, and you find God behind it. And every bad thing that ever happened, it sure wasn't God behind it. And, you know, Thomas, you were talking about 2015. I was thinking, what about, I, I'm sorry, at 14, I was thinking 2013, I didn't know what was going to happen in 2014, did you? Were there surprises for you, really good things? Did God surprise you with some really good things in 2013? He did for me. There were some things that I was surprised by that were really a joy. I didn't know he was planning. And there were some tough things, 2013. But you know what? I found that he was there. He was there before I got there. And his grace was there. And not only that, his grace was sufficient. Maybe it's a tough year for you. I know some people in this room lost loved ones this past year. But boy, I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the assurance and the comfort of knowing that God is already in the year, already planning my good, already going before me and, and going to be there for anything that surprises me that's a challenge. What a, what a pillow to lay our heads on. What a pillow to lay our heads on that God knows. He knew this past year. He, did he see you through what you went through? 2000, everybody, did he see you through? You're still here, right? Well, he's going to see us through the next year. Thank you, Tom. It was so good. It was so good. Such a good reminder. We're grateful people in this place. We're grateful for, we're grateful for you as your pastors. We're so grateful for you. Grateful for your fellowship in the gospel with us. Fellowship. We're grateful for, John, for Tom. Uh, coming out all these weeks and, and sharing with us. Aren't you grateful for him? I'm so grateful. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.